and we're back. We're still we here. Back from the weekend. David, please tell me you've seen The Last Jedi so that we can do no. this Star Wars pod. Come on! No. I just told you off air, too. I just told you that, but for the folks. Well, yeah, you know, you know, you know, we, we, we really want to talk about things on air. So even if we talk about them off air, I get to, <laughs> I get to, sort of, I get to re-ask you and pretend like I didn't. And then you, you just blew it. You blew it. That was, that was just a little peek behind the curtain for the folks. It's how the magic, you know, it's how the sausage is made. Maybe too much for these, for these folks this early in the morning. Point being, I'm seeing it tomorrow night. Okay, good. So if you are on Patreon, you can check out our Star Wars pod coming to you later this week, whenever David finally gets his act together. Nick, have you seen TLJ? Yep. Saw it Saturday, and I'm seeing it again Wednesday. Hope I should center myself here. Seeing it again Wednesday. Yeah, I need to see it again, too. Yeah, because my... Uh, my wife didn't. We originally were going to go Saturday together, and then she couldn't go. So my dad got the extra ticket. So he was excited. That's a good story. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just giving back. It's just giving back to people who otherwise wouldn't see Star Wars. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I named this episode "Horseshoes and Hand Grenades." Because the Hornets right now are are stuck in this almost malaise. I mean, it is a it's not an almost malaise; it's a malaise of almost. If that makes any sense, they just get they get right up to the line of winning yep. a basketball game and haven't been able to get over the finish line. Do you feel like they're going to win? Do you, I mean, especially the Blazers that game. Did you guys think they were going to win either one? Like at any point was happening? Yes, of course. I'm a believer, okay. David. I have belief in my okay. heart. I'm generally a positive person. And, and when, when Kimball Walker has the ball in his hands and he's he's rolling, anything is possible. Anything can happen. It just it just hasn't happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just, just for like some reason will not happen. I just feel like all the bad stuff is happening. If it's not the three-point shooting, if they can't stop anyone, if they can't stop anyone. Anyway, we can get into it. Yeah, we're going to get into that. We're going to uh, we're gonna go over some things you may have missed in the news last week. Uh, plus, we'll preview this game coming up tonight against the New York Knicks here in Charlotte. The Hornets back at it, and we're back at it. Let's get this show started. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson. I cover the Charlotte Hornets for Fan Rag Sports. And I'm joined by the panel from the mean streets of Cotswold. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bobcats for AtTheHive.com. The man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. Yeah, for those of you watching on the channel, I don't know why my picture's not coming up, Doug. This is one of these little weird things about Zoom. It's just my name. 
Um, but that's just what we're going to have to deal with this morning, guys. Nick has a great background for you guys. Very, very festive. That's right. Nick's on the show as well from the capital city, Raleigh, North Carolina. He is an editor for AtTheHive.com, and he also uh, does the buzzworthy column on our news site, LockedOnHornets.com. Nick Denning. Nick, what's going on? Let's see that background. Yeah, um, so that, that that Last Jedi podcast, is that a real thing? Because if it is, I, I'm totally you're, there. You're- Oh man, we shouldn't have said anything. Damn it! Now we gotta. Now we gotta include Nick. But I like oh, that Christmas yeah. tree in your background. Is there, <laughs> there a Star is. Wars? There is there is. a Star Wars bauble? Bauble. B a u b l e. That's a real thing. Bauble. Is there is any kind of Star Wars ornament? That's the word I was really looking for. <laughs> There's not. I do have a Star Wars stocking though. That's off off screen, and I don't. I'm not gonna go get it. But um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. No. No worries. This is we're just running a show here. We're just trying to be entertaining. But you you refuse. See, this is why you're not allowed on the Star Wars pod because you just refuse. What is this? Okay, but you but you definitely get the mug in the shot. That's fine. Hey, real quick, Doug. Um, as long as we're on the Star Wars thing, it feels like a good way to go. Let's keep going there. I did after the game on Saturday night. I, I got home and I was like in a Star Wars mood, and I had started watching A New Hope um, episode four. Uh, mm-hmm. earlier in the day. So I went back and started that over again. And then I actually purchased it from iTunes, right? So now I own this film, but it's, I think it's the one, like the redone one, right? So like not the OG version, but the version that came out with like the added stuff with like just a little more animated, right? You know, weird animals. Well, and which I, I don't know if I want that. I, want, I don't you know should. If I want the, you got to yeah, go exactly. original. You got to find the original. In fact, there are people out there that have made it even more like the original. There are sketchy sites that you can go to to find that, You're, and you should. You, you should seek out. Sites. You should seek out Star Wars as it was originally shot. George Lucas, be damned. Okay, this show is brought to you by our friends at Frame Warehouse. They have the guaranteed best price on your next framing project. They have six locations in Charlotte. Framewarehouse.net is the website and. Uh, let me tell you, so you're going to be getting a lot of gifts this holiday season, hopefully, and and some of them you may want to put on the wall. Maybe you get a, a nice poster for your office, for your bedroom. Well, the one place that you need to go after you get that awesome gift is Frame Warehouse to get the perfect frame put on it. When I give people these type of gifts, I don't often give them frames because, to me, framing is such a personal thing. Like, I don't want to tell you what kind of frame goes with, with your wall, with your decor. I want to leave that up to you. So uh, we're proud to partner up with Frame Warehouse because they've been family-owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years. They have the guaranteed best price on every uh, on every framing project. At Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed. Sports memorabilia, posters for your office, maybe your kid's bedroom, jerseys. And the best part is that Frame Warehouse makes the whole process super easy. And I don't know about you, but I need easy, especially around the holidays, Frame Warehouse has framing experts that will walk you through the entire process and turn your project around quickly and for an amazing price. Don't let your prized possessions go undisplayed. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse at one of their six locations in Charlotte. Go to framewarehouse.net to find the one nearest you and tell them Locked On Hornets sent you. Give them a go Hornets, go America, let's swarm Charlotte. All right, let's dig into these two games over the weekend. A uh, home and home back-to-back for the Charlotte Hornets against Miami and then Portland. They lose both. 
Miami 104 to 98, Portland 93 to 91. A couple of low scoring games, a couple of games that were close down the stretch. The Hornets making a comeback in both, but unable to seal the deal. Uh, let's start in Miami. Uh, this was uh, this was a tough game all around. Again, it came down. Both of these games really, guys, came down to second unit scoring uh, for Miami. Bam Adebayo gets 11. Wayne Ellington and Tyler Johnson combined for nine three pointers and both dropping 16 points on the Charlotte Hornets. That was those were your leading Miami scorers, Wayne Ellington and Tyler Johnson. Uh, the Hornets got a good effort from Kimba Walker, 25 points, 15 of those in the fourth quarter. He really tried to bring them back as best he could, but just no production off the bench, David. Not really, no. Jeremy Lamb and Frank, you know, chipped in with 12 and 10 respectively, um, but not enough from them. And, and too big of a hole again, you know. The Hornets actually outshot the Heat from three-point land, you guys. They actually made a better percentage of their three-point shots at 37% to the Heat's 35. 35.5%, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, but unfortunately, down the stretch, the Heat were able to knock down a few more. And again, the Hornets just didn't have enough to quite get over the hump. I mean, a nice little comeback. Kimba did get dinged up, which I think affected him more so in the Blazers game the next night. But, yeah, man, just uh, could not get back enough. The, the bench was a killer. And Tyler Johnson and, and Wayne Ellington, man, they basically you know, put the heat in the driver's seat for the game and, and hit a big shot when they needed it. And, of course, of course, our man Deion Waiters hit the, uh, hit the quencher down the stretch. So what, I wanted to ask you guys about some of those last possessions, specifically the Nick Batum possession. I wasn't a huge fan of that one at the time. Uh, every basket's big at that point, and he had a decent you know, post-up opportunity but just couldn't get it to go. Yeah, Nick, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, it's, you know, he, he probably would have made it if this was the, uh, if this was the game the other night, uh, when he finally had a good, you know, a good performance. Um, but this, you know, like with, you combine that shot, you combine a lot of the possessions, late possessions late they had against Portland. This is a team that's getting opportunities to win these games. As you kind of said, Doug, at the beginning here, like this is almost right. This is almost, they're just not, converting when they need to um and it'd be one thing if they were losing a close game here or there but the fact that this is continuing i mean it shows like it shows a couple of things it shows their their they i mean talent seems a weird word to throw around right now with a 10 and 19 teams that what their record is at this point um but um it's not like they're getting blown out in these games they're right there they're um, they're putting themselves in positions. Maybe they're not running the best sets. Maybe they're not always getting the best shot, but nothing's easy. Right, exactly. Yeah, definitely. And and a lot of that, I think, again, has to do with the fact that they tried to go to their second unit. They tried to go to their full bench unit and, and just failed miserably in this game against Miami and, and are now forced to shorten their rotation. They started to do that in Portland, they lose that game 93-91 as well. A few positives, though, from the Portland game, one of them uh, being Nick Batum, 23 points, 9 of 17 shooting, 5 of 9 from 3. The 23 points, a season high. The 5 made threes, a season high. Some of those threes, very difficult over really good defense, the kind of three-point shots that we've uh, been accustomed to seeing opponents of the Hornets hit, and not so much the Hornets hit those kind of shots. He also added five assists and four rebounds. 
uh, to me, that's the key. Like, okay, they lost the game against Portland, but if they're ever going to turn this thing around, it, you know, you you have to get that kind of production. Maybe not night after night from Nick Batum, but but certainly uh, more than they've been getting lately, David. Yeah, and, and on a night when Kimba was a bit off, I mentioned that wrist injury he sustained in the Heat game. I think that affected him a little bit more. Like I said, in this game, it, it looked to be a little sore. Or at least he just had an off-night shooting, and maybe that was that's what it was. But yeah, you have to take the Nick Batum performance away and feel good about that. But again, they could not – way too much Lillard and McCollum. I mean, they couldn't handle either one of those guys on this night. And, um, you know, Silas talked after the game about shortening his rotation, I guess, specific response to neither Monk nor uh, Bacon playing in this game at all. I mean, it's kind of weird, though. They played 11 guys against the Heat and 10 guys against the Blazers. It's <laughs> – <laughs> it's on a huge ch- shutdown in, in player rotation. Well, listen, they've tried everything that they could try with Malik yeah. Monk. Uh, they they tried playing him uh, with Should the second unit. That? It didn't work. Should we, uh, his... Should we talk about this real quick, Doug? Because my yeah. prediction of of Monk with the starters, it, it happened. That's or, or not my prediction, but my my. I don't know what it was. Yeah, it happened. It, and it wasn't very good. Uh, he got no, he, he blew yeah he blew several <laughs> defensive assignments. He did knock down one three. Uh, but when I asked Silas about playing him with the starters in the first and third quarter, his response I think was telling. Said they wanted to get him some time, but didn't want to play him with the second unit. Yeah, I mean that's to me like that's okay. You don't want to play him with the second unit. Why would that be? I, I think yeah. there's there's not a again there's not a trust factor there that his offense would be good enough to overcome the deficiencies on the defensive end. It's just going to be a learning process. Now, the question is, you know, if Monk and Bacon are not going to play for a long stretch of games as they try to get this thing back on the winning track and shorten that rotation down, would it be would it make sense to send them down to the Swarm to get them yeah. t- some time, to get them some action? I wouldn't have thought that that was a, uh, a, a viable solution for them earlier on in this season. But now I think you have to consider that. Yeah. I mean, this is like, it, I, I, I do, it, it's, it's a shame that the, that Monk with the starting unit didn't work because that would have, you know, we all kind of said like that, that, that could have solved our problems, right? Or at least maybe at least hid Monk's deficiencies out there. It, it kind of worked with Bacon when he started, when he was with the starting unit early in the season, you know, he could kind of just do what he wanted to do, play to his strengths. Um, that clearly wasn't happening with Monk. Uh, yeah, you got to give these guys playing time. Um, if you know, if, if the if the strategy right now is to win now, um, and that means placing both of these guys on the bench, um, send them down to Greensboro. If you're going to have a short bench, anyways, you know, that's there's there's no issue. They do have an open roster spot, so I don't. I mean, I know we're talking about depth here, but you know, yeah, they've had one. They've had one, right? And, and I mean, there's you know. I know we've been, I don't know how much you guys have, have been talking about him here on the show, at least. Sorry, I've been, I've been gone, been out, but, um, you know. Oh, we know. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a, um, you know, we're talking about shorting the rotation. Does this mean, are we, are we slipping Michael Carter Williams out of it? Because, you know, I, you know, I know he's the, he's technically the backup point guard, but I mean, what, Oh my God. I mean, well, I mean, his minute, his minutes are certainly limited because they've been playing right. Kimba Walker more, and they. Right. I, I would say you're you're probably going to see Kimba Walker and Michael Carter Williams share the floor less. Yeah, but yeah, uh, absolutely. So. I mean, let's let's read off the numbers. So uh, against uh, Portland, he was 
0 of 5, uh, one point, <laughs> and several missed layups against Miami. Kind of same story. He was uh, one of one from the field, so he really wasn't involved in the offense much at all. Four points, did get a couple of free throws in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he's not going to be involved in the offense or he becomes a severe negative, uh, I think, honestly, again, I think the, the Hornets are in a situation where um, they have to try anything and everything and and, and scrap sort of the, the, uh, the sort of... Um, barriers that they've put on themselves because they want to be a consistent veteran team that you know uh, relies on certain principles I think at this point you have to try anything including um, possibly maybe bringing up Marcus Page from from the Greensboro yeah. and, and giving yeah. anything a shot at this point to get some production from your point guard position when Kimball Walker's not on the floor especially if, if Stone is still injured I mean if he's still on the inactive list I mean just find another option because I mean I think I honestly think they'd probably give, be giving him a chance if he was healthy, I mean, because he at least he's the same type of player in terms of his size and his, you know, passing yeah. ability, I guess. We talked about this before yeah. the season, you know, but <laughs> it, it's a con- and it's a confidence issue right now. It's right. I mean, it, it honestly looks like MCW has a case of the yips. Yeah. I mean, these missed layups are Brutal. are just, uh, just they're unexplainable. Yeah. Well, well, as, as yeah. someone as someone who missed plenty of layups in their youth basketball leagues, maybe you know the, the case of the yips can 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 stick with you a long time. So, yeah, I mean, there's certainly larger issues though, right? I mean, I don't really understand. I mean, like I said, they've had this spot basically the entire season, and when MCW was out, we saw how bad it could be with whoever they threw out there. Usually, it was Monk in those early stages. And it's kind of like we're banging our heads against a wall here because it doesn't look like they're going to attempt to add a, another veteran presence. Um, you know, they, they've, they've had guys out there. They've had guys in, especially before the season. They had a bunch of veterans through, chose not to bring on any of them. It's, it's, it's puzzling that MCW was the best option they chose to go with. And now, like you mentioned, Paige and Stone. I mean, obviously, these guys aren't ready. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, people are asking about Stone for good reason, because you need to try anything at this point, but that situation is a disaster. It has been all season at this point. I don't know why they would try and bring on anyone uh, if they haven't already, but I mean, you might want to try it. It's just frustrating. David, with the point about MCW, I mean, I understood it this summer. I mean, they, 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 they opted to go for a, for a tall point guard. I'm sure they looked at the whole, they looked at the second unit. They figured they'd have to play Monk. Yeah. Um, so they figure let's put a tall point guard next to him who theoretically has a history of being able to defend, who can at least organize an offense a little bit. And it's just, you know, if yeah, you're theoretically, if you're the, it was, it was a theory in the theory. It's, it's right. We haven't, it's not proven. I mean, the, yeah, the, the, the offense is, I mean, he's dead last in points per shot attempt for uh, his, even, even his when position. He's, even when he's not missing layups, guys, it's a very clunky offense and he gets into weird positions and then has to throw up an ugly layup. That's why he's missing most of them. Some of them are wide up and then he's all by himself. I don't know why he's missing those. And but he's not alone. Not Let's say that he's not player. alone on the second unit in terms of not being effective offensively. I mean, yeah. there there have been it's nights. It's not all his fault. There, no, no there yeah, have been yeah. nights when Frank Kaminsky is is inconsistent. There have been nights when Jeremy Lamb takes some shots that uh, uh, were, were uh, ill-advised at best. And it leaves the Hornets right now at uh, ten and nineteen in the in in the NBA, and that's what a game and a half above Chicago. Uh, they are uh, two Ooh. spots away from being dead last in the Eastern Conference. Good lord! And but they're 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 uh, 
points per game margin is only at minus 2.1, uh, yeah. which if you look at the Bulls, who they are only a game and a half above, that margin sits at negative 7.7. The team above them, the Orlando Magic, negative 4.2. Brooklyn, negative 3.8. So that tells you the story, in my mind, that they're losing these close games. Had a couple of them flipped the Hornets' way, had they been able to finish the deal, uh, then they would be in a much different position. But they yeah. are not. This is staggering, you guys. I mean, got to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, disappointments in the league this year, to be honest. I mean, a lot of people had high expectations for Charlotte to see them down there with Chicago and Atlanta. <laughs> and having given Chicago two of their wins is really disheartening. At this point, I mean, I know Clifford is out, but you can't feel safe for anyone over there. This, I mean, there's got to be some shakeups. We won't get into that right now, but it's just hard to imagine, man, something at some point not happening to shake this thing up because this has just turned into a really dis- big disaster really fast. And I think Clifford being out obviously contributed to that, but it's crazy to see that. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. David, the show's barely been on. How are these injuries going to affect the Hornets' ability to beat the Miami Heat? I'm going to go get some more buttermilk while you talk about it. (laughs) Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. All right, a couple of things you may have missed from last week. Uh, Zach Lowe in his uh, 10 Things That He Liked and Didn't Like column on ESPN.com. Uh, had some stuff about the Hornets. Let off with the, the title here, Oof Hornets. <laughs> I think a lot of people are feeling like that. A lot of people out there feeling frustrated, feeling when they watch the Hornets, they feel, Oof. And Zach Lowe expressing some of his thoughts, including this interesting tidbit, that the uh, his source is telling him that the Hornets last season inquired about trading for Jimmy Butler, but that those inquiries were rebuffed by the Chicago Bulls because, essentially, according to this report from Zach Lowe, the Bulls didn't want anything that the Hornets were offering. Yeah. What well, is this? I mean, what is this? This kind of confirms what we thought, I guess. Well, what 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 did they get for um, for Butler? They got Dunn, uh, Levine, and they moved up a couple of spots in the draft. Right. They got they got a couple of young players, and they got a higher draft pick. So Charlotte would have offered them probably the eleventh or what pick did they have? Yeah, the eleventh pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and some older players, like like the young player they would have offered would have been like Jeremy Lamb, probably or Frank Kaminsky. Maybe Frank. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, this is. I mean, I, I know there was a reaction to this, like, oh, you have no good assets, but, like, that's really not what Chicago was interested in. So, I mean, maybe if they needed some big forwards, it would have been different, but... Yeah, yeah but, like, Don hadn't done much at all. I mean, he was he was looked at as a huge failure, a flop oh, in yeah. Minnesota. Um, and it's hard to tell what these guys... Levine's not coming back yet, but, but, but that, I think that does, yeah. to Doug's point, confirm that, like, you could talk about trades all you want, and you can throw out trade ideas, but they just don't have anything that's that attractive. We don't know exactly what it was, but but certainly one, I'm encouraged. At least they were asking. I mean, that, that's a positive yeah. sign. But that was a big takeaway for me is just they don't have what it's going to take to put together and get a superstar via trade right now. Did uh, I'm trying to remember? Did the the Butler trade happen before? It happened after Dwight, right? 
Uh, no, it happened before. No, think about that. Yeah, it happened before the draft. Yeah. So, so do, do you think they were? Do you think they were trying to build a a, a big three of Walker, Butler, and Howard? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Yeah, maybe they. Maybe they knows, that would have yeah. been the next. Uh, if you know, assuming that Marco Bellinelli was not part of part of that conversation. Right. Yeah, I mean, they could have right. been trying to to build towards that, and it, it reflects, I think, the Hornets' desire to bring more star power, but also bring in two-way play. Yeah. Uh, swap some of these players out that they've acquired over the past couple of years that are either defensive stalwarts and can't convert on the offensive end or are are supposed to be offensively skilled players who hurt you on the defensive end and are at times inefficient offensively. But yep. it also it, it illustrates something for me that, that I've been thinking about too when when all of these trade ideas come out and uh, you know how do you acquire these assets? Maybe you want to uh, get a little worse and so you trade some pieces away. The problem is it's not as if other teams in the NBA don't know what position that the Hornets are in. So if you make any kind of deal now, whether it is to get better or get worse, you're, you're going to be on the wrong end of the bargaining table. Right there's going to be a premium if you if you do any deal before the deadline. That's why deals get done at the deadline because the deadline exists and everyone knows the deadline exists and they know you know they know. So everything gets pushed down to that date when when a when a trigger has to be pulled. Right? So if you try to make any deal before that deadline, you you normally end up paying a premium. So that's why it's so difficult to get these things done and and what why the Hornets are you see them in the rotation searching for answers within right now trying Malik Monk with the starters then saying okay no forget that Malik Monk Dwayne Bacon zero minutes we're going to shorten the rotation and go with all of our veterans for for 35 plus minutes a night they're searching for answers within because it, it's not it's not easy it's not easy to make these deals before the deadline uh, and and I don't think I don't think they're not trying. I just think that that's you know the reality is, yeah, that the other the other NBA teams know that the Hornets are in a vulnerable position. Yeah, no, it, uh, it, that's it, why that yeah that's why I'm more in favor of keeping Monk and Bacon up with the with the with the NBA squad at this point, just because what they don't have any they can't do anything else. I mean they don't have any other options. You can throw these G League guys out there and guys with less less experience, but. At least with the rookies, they're supposed to make some impact somewhere along the way. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. Well, that that's it, David. I mean, like, they but. we talked about this around the draft that that the benefit of drafting a Malik Monk and a Dwayne Bacon, who had a lot of experience in college and was a was a go to player for that Florida State team. Mm-hmm. Part of the benefit of making both of those selections is that they were supposed to, to some extent understanding that they're rookies and there was a learning curve, but to some extent they had skills that would indicate that they would be plug and play, that you could put them with certain groups, certain guys, and could make them effective and do one or two things that your team needed to do to win. And that has not happened really for either player. Early on it happened for Dwayne Bacon because – he was an excellent rebounder, which was a surprise, and he was committed on the defensive end. Uh, still has a lot to learn on on that end of the floor, but was committed. But his offense was atrocious. 
and Malik Monk, offense and defense ha- hasn't come together. And and so the Hornets came into this season already behind the eight out. ball because they were capped out and and yep. needing help depth wise. And the draft, understandably, understandably fell through. Like draft picks, it's not often that you get a rookie uh, that can contribute big minutes on a veteran team. That's kind of a rarity. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the only place they had to improve, right? And it's not working. So that's why you're seeing this, you know, basically the same thing we saw last season because they didn't really add anything, anybody else to the mix. And where they did, they tried to through the draft. It's not working out. Uh, a couple of quick things. We don't really have to comment on them, but I just want to make you aware. An expose on the University of Louisville's basketball program in Bloomberg, including a tidbit uh-huh. about the Hornets almost moving to Louisville instead of New Orleans. Uh, they even had a right. non-binding agreement in place before apparently – uh, Patino and others around the Louisville uh, University of Louisville basketball program basically killed it. They wanted to be the only game in town, and so the Hornets moving to New Orleans. But who knows? If that happens, maybe the Hornets, you know, maybe Charlotte never gets that name back. Maybe we're still dealing in a world of Louisville Hornets and Charlotte Bobcats. Oh, my God. It could be worse, you guys. Yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. Could <laughs> <laughs> it could be a lot worse. We could blame it all on the Bobcats. Like that's what everyone did before. You know, it's 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 not the Hornets' fault. It's just you know, it's the Bobcats. Yeah. Uh, also, Baron Davis looking like he's going to join the Big Three. The former Hornets great Baron Davis could be seeing him suit up back in action. Better than the. I didn't like the idea of Baron Davis in the the D League G League. That was weird for yeah, me. Yeah. Let's get him in the big three. Let's see him face yeah. off against and, and and you know the big three came to Charlotte in their in their first uh, inaugural season. So hopefully oh, yeah, we can see uh, uh, B Diddy uh, back in spe- or in Spectrum Center. That would be fun. I think uh, I think he'd get a big ovation here in Charlotte. Finally, we're going to shift gears to tonight's game. The Hornets have an opportunity to get back on track. They're still at home. The third game of a four game. Don't smirk at me, Nick. Don't smirk at me. No, no, anything just, is anything is possible. Look, I've, I've read this like I've been, every every preview that I that I edit for at the hive. It always starts with Hornets have some variation of the Hornets have a chance to get back on track, and it's just repeating itself. Hashtag, over and over hashtag again. back on track. Well, listen, the track <laughs> exists. They just have to get back on it. Uh, yep. All right, so the Hornets are going to take on the New York Knicks in Spectrum Center tonight. In their first matchup in New York, the Hornets got off to a great offensive start. They carried an 11-point lead into the fourth quarter. But if you'll remember, Doug McDermott helped rally the Knicks' second unit, and Kristaps Porzingis hit some big late baskets uh, to pull away, and uh, they won that game. The Knicks are hot right now. They come in with a four-game winning streak against the Hawks, the Lakers, the Nets, and the Thunder. So some some less-than-stellar competition that the Knicks have been playing. But listen... They've gotten the W's. That's it. It's horseshoes and hand grenades, and uh, the Knicks have been able to uh, win those games instead of coming up almost. And uh, they got the, the sort of a big emotional win on uh, Saturday against the Thunder. That was the the Carmelo coming back to New York, and Kristaps didn't even play in that game. Michael Beasley at his place, scoring thirty points. Uh, I think uh, it's a, a knee issue for Chris Stops, who's been on and off the floor dealing with health issues. That's why I didn't want to proclaim Kristaps Porzingis uh, King Unicorn, ruler of all of Eastern Conference, because there are still injury issues with Chris Stops. A uh, question about whether he'll play, we'll, we'll have a status for you on Twitter uh, later on. 
but even if he doesn't, Michael Beasley uh, has been a, a, a an inexplicable threat for the New York Knicks, who have been getting he's a scorer, some. Man. He's a scorer, he's a scorer, and he's the, you know the Knicks are getting depth from unexpected places. Uh, this is a very interesting Knicks team, and and will be a tough matchup for the Hornets tonight. I think. Uh, two quick thoughts from me on this. Uh, this is depressingly enough. This is, could be a trap game for the Knicks. Believe it or not, that you mentioned the OKC game, and then they play Boston on Thursday. So a little oh, yeah. day trip down to Charlotte. Maybe you find a sleepy New York Knicks team. That's a trap. And and it's and it's on the road. Uh, the Knicks two road wins tied with your Charlotte Hornets and the Dallas Mavericks for fewest in the NBA. So my God, there is a chance. <laughs> I feel it's good. going to be served up to the Hornets. Why do you I mean, feel good, yeah. Nick? Just David, I just feel good now after what David just said. Like this is, you know, I, I like to be. I'm like, I like that the Hornets are now other teams' trap games. Usually, usually we, usually <laughs> they are the ones that fall into the trap game. And I would, you know, so this is, you know, suddenly my outlook on on things are, is a little brighter. You know, it'll end ninety five, ninety one, but you know, that's it could go either way. I literally just spit out my coffee. Has nothing to do with either of what you gentlemen said, but I just yeah. accidentally spilled. I just like spit out my coffee. That's what kind of. Wow. That's not a great omen for the for the day ahead. Hey, real quick, yeah. do you guys feel like they are trying everything and anything, or do you feel like this is just a mismatch of throwing stuff against the wall and not sticking with it long enough? I mean, mainly like playing. Play Monk with the starters, then not play him like this up and down. Do you think that's going to continue? Um, they're, I know they're trying. They're saying they're shortening the rotation, but as we said before, a lot of guys are still playing. So is it just like that he doesn't know what to do at this point? I think they don't really have the room to like experiment long term. So if they don't see a, at least a, a moderate result at first, then they're going to um, probably move on to something else. I said this yeah. earlier. I mentioned this in a, in a buzzworthy last week. Um, but, you know, I know that the team finally had a good game, um, but I've, you know, putting Lamb back with the starters, just maybe try that. Um, his numbers as a starter are much more efficient than they are with the, on the bench. And I don't know if he's trying yeah, to Yeah, but I, dis- I disagree with that, Nick. I disagree with that because I think you need a successful Nick Batum, whatever. Talk about long-term. For this team to, to make any kind of run, Long term, if they want to break off a six game winning streak in the near future, then you know, and to try to get this thing back towards 500, then you have to have Nick Batum leading the helping to lead this team alongside Kimba Walker, have him scoring 20 plus uh, uh, every couple of nights. Then you got to leave him in the starting. He's, I mean, he's the guy in the locker room saying, Hey. Uh, he said, play for the, the, the name on the front of the jersey, not on the name on the back. That's somebody who wants to lead this team. And then he okay. comes out with that kind of performance. See, that's what says it to me that Nick Batum is ready to, to like get back in gear, is that you make that statement. You make that statement to your entire team. You challenge your entire team. And then you walk out on the floor, and he was as aggressive against Portland as he has been this into- before that game, in the month of December, he was averaging nine points on 36% shooting. Terrible. But then he, he he basically challenges his team and by virtue himself and then comes out and, and has that game against Portland. So I think I, I understand what your, what your thought process is when you look at Lamb's numbers, but that's on Lamb. 
That's on Lamb has to has to make better decisions late in games and be better overall and more efficient overall and knock down shots. They need both Lamb and Batum to be successful where they are. Batum's going to get minutes with the second unit. There's no question about that. They and I liked what they did against Portland. It was the strategy that Houston's taking with Chris Paul and James Harden. They basically said there's not going to be a minute in this game where we don't have our two best players on the floor at some point. Like it's 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 Kimball Walker and Nick Batum or Kimball Walker or Nick Batum. Get your best players yeah, on the floor at all that. times. Well, that's that no, I mean I you're I mean you, that's a good point. You just if and at the very least Lamb has to play more of the starting unit. And maybe like and that's where maybe that's where the where the shift comes at some point. Maybe when Batum is playing more with that with that first mm-hmm. unit or that second unit, excuse me. Um, Lamb subs subs in for him later on, yeah. you know, yeah. when Batum comes out. But I mean, like the numbers are pretty clear cut. I mean, Lamb is like a twenty eight percent three point shooter yeah. with the bench, and he's like a forty percent shooter from three with the Take starters. Take that for data. And thank you, David Fisdale. Um, and we're talking. I mean, and, and I, it comes down probably if we really dug into this, it's probably he's getting higher percentage of looks because he's not the first. He's not really the first wing scoring option with the starting unit. Um, you know, it's, it's a different, it's a just different mindset. And then, you know, so I just, if, if we're trying to maximize the team's efficiency right now, which we really need to do, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I would try something like that, you know, plus it's not like we, we need Batum with that second unit more because Michael Carter Williams, as we've talked about, is not doing what he was asked to do. We need some kind of ball, ball handler in there to facilitate yeah. the offense to calm things down. Um, so at the very least play, either of these guys more with the units that they're playing, but that, you know, they can play better with. All right. Uh, a couple of more thoughts on this uh, New York Knicks team that the Hornets will face off against tonight in Spectrum Center. First of all, I, I was looking at the Knicks, sort of how they're built schematically and ha- just how they're built as a team. And I really feel like they're a little bit of an alternate universe Hornets team in terms of their style of play. They, they take a ton of mid-range shots and they're just damn effective at doing it. And it's they're very they don't take a lot of three point shots. In fact, the Hornets and the Knicks on par in that category. But they've just been making the few uh, three point shots at a, at a at a higher clip than the Hornets have been. And uh, they they will be without Tim Hardaway tonight, possibly without Kristaps Porzingis. Again, Michael Beasley expected to uh, start in his place if uh, he does not play in this game. And then also, you have to watch out for one of the guys that killed them, killed the Hornets in that first matchup, and that's Doug McDermott. You have to stay locked into him off ball. So I'm sure Batum and Lamb and probably Travion Graham, if he gets some run in this game, will go up against Doug McDermott. He's a master at moving off the ball. He's been a consistent and efficient scoring threat for them off the bench. And so much of it is coming at the rim on back cuts. So pay attention, Doug McDermott. Don't let him get off. And, uh, you know, the rest of this team is uh, a threat from mid-range. So, you know, try to run them off the three-point line, but you got to stick with them in mid-range as well. Well, this should help them. I mean, this should play to their advantage a little bit because the Hornets, the principle is to pack the paint. Um, even if they're shooting well from the mid, from mid-range, I mean, you know, at least on those back, on those back cut plays, um, you know, the Hornets should be prepared because they do stick to their principles. But, you know, when it comes to those mid-range shots, obviously they're going to have to defend those and make sure they don't knock them down. And they just have to keep fighting hard. I mean, that's the key. That You, you keep hearing that from, from Coach Silas. This is kind of a nightmare scenario for Silas, right? Yeah. I mean, this, you know, yeah. his, his 
first real experience uh, coaching a team that is supposed to win, that that wants to win very much, and and there just aren't great answers for him in terms of rotation. I think he's done uh, the 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 best job that he can. I mean, he's trying things, but but he he still is the associate yeah. head coach. Uh, you know, this is a Hornets team that is missing. Again, they I think they have enough talent to win. Maybe not on that second unit. That that's killing them game to game. But they have enough talent to win. They just they're missing that special something, and uh, they'll look for it tonight against the New York Knicks. And we'll continue to cover it right here on Locked On Hornets. We're out of time. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to visit our website, LockedOnHornets.com, where Nick Denning is doing some great work on his buzzworthy column. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets and Instagram at Locked On Hornets, where David Walker is doing some fantastic job keeping you up to date on not only what's going on now, but a lot of classic Hornet stuff on there. I like that. People love the classic stuff on Instagram. T-B-T. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with more on your Charlotte Hornets. For David and Nick, I'm Doug saying go Hornets, go America. It's got to happen for them eventually, right? Right? Beat the Knicks. Let's (laughs) swarm Charlotte.